I'm Kate Daniels, and it's a privilege to welcome Darren Grundell, the director of the Washington Traffic Safety Commission. This holiday season is one of the key times that people love to party. That's great, but not making plans is really deciding to be reckless, and that can destroy lives. To help all of us, there are now extra DUI patrols throughout the state during the holiday season, and these are going to continue through January 1st. This is really a gift, though a person who stopped might not think so. So let's meet Darren Grundell and learn more. Darren Grundell, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Thank you for having us. You are doing such important work when we're looking at safety of each and every one of us on our roadways. We, with the uh, Washington Traffic Safety Commission, you're doing so much research. You're looking at all that's going on, and you're here to deliver, I think, one of the best gifts we can give to ourselves and to each other this holiday season. And uh, as it has been stated uh, in the materials that I've received, it's the gift of life. It truly is. You know, traffic safety is something that I think sometimes we take for granted. We do it all day long. We are either a pedestrian, maybe a bicyclist, or a car driver, commercial vehicle driver, or even a motorcycle rider. It's all interconnected as a system. And one of the things that I think sometimes we take for granted is what we uh, have responsibility for is for each other. And that's to drive sober, it's to drive with clear mind, and it's to drive in accordance to the you know, the traffic laws that have been set so that everybody can be uh, getting where they need to safely and to enjoy the holidays as, as, a, as a family. Indeed. And it seems so simple, doesn't it? It, it really is. When you look uh, statistically, uh, about 94% of all fatal crashes are a result of the driver or some type of driver behavior. And a lot of times it's a very simple thing like just slowing down or not driving impaired or just putting your seatbelt on. We lose way too many people in fatal crashes for decisions that, you know, we would think, well, that was a simple thing to, to do is not speed, not drive impaired or even keep your seatbelt on. So, you know, it, it is simple and it's some things that all of us can keep in mind, especially through these, uh, this holiday season, to really make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, our families, and especially those around us. And that's why I so appreciate your taking the time to be with us to go over some of these details so that we can all be aware and share this information with those that we know, those that we love, to know what can happen to get these details out so that we can be safe and enjoy a holiday season because we're, we so look forward to it. We want to have a great time, but there's a wise and smart way to do it. There really is. You know, and you think about uh, kind of over the last few years, we've been on a very good downward trend in seeing fatal crashes reduced. However, this last year, nationally, we saw a 7% increase in fatal crashes. And in our own state, we saw almost a 20% uh, increase in fatal crashes. And a lot of those deal with impaired drivers. A lot of those deal with people that uh, run off the road and a variety of other uh, reasons. But during the Thanksgiving to Christmas holiday season, we lose about 40 people after Thanksgiving. And that's 40 people every year that aren't with their families, aren't with friends or colleagues or some other association. 
And that's why we are starting these holiday patrols uh, starting December 15th through January 1st. They're really putting an emphasis and importance on uh, traffic safety and making sure that people go and can enjoy the holidays, but to enjoy it responsibly and to understand the implications. You know, when we talk about uh, impaired driving, one of the concerns that people have is, oh, that's only dealing with alcohol. Well, that is only partly true. The other aspect is the impairment of, of drugs, and those could be illegal drugs, most can be prescription drugs or even over-the-counter medications that we take that can impair us. And some people may not think that falling asleep is impairing, but that's part of the impairment. And so our judgment, our depth perception, decision-making, and other things that impair our ability to operate a motor vehicle are all considered impairing uh, elements. So we want everybody to really start thinking uh, strongly about, you know, how they are using, especially with alcohol. Some people think, you know, I, I'm, I can, I'm okay after I have a few drinks. Well, when people start feeling that invincibility is when they really should start thinking about, maybe I need to find somebody else to get me home. And with drugs, you know, right now we've had a recreational and medical marijuana in our state, and some people would argue that, you know, I'm a better driver once I've smoked. Unfortunately, there's no empirical data to show that. And the other element of that is, you know, when you start mixing marijuana and alcohol or alcohol with other drugs, is it has a synergistic effect on our ability to function and to, to operate a vehicle safely. And so, you know, this holiday season, one of the greatest gifts that anybody can give is to make sure that they're safe for themselves to enjoy the new year and to make sure that their families are safe. And you said something so interesting, Darren, that I think really requires underscoring. You said how uh, there's a synergistic effect that happens when you have the uh, drugs added to the alcohol, which is, uh, I guess, very simply stated, one plus one is not two. It is magnified. And, and that's showing in the statistics of, of the traffic accidents and fatalities that have occurred, right? Yeah, fatality crashes involving a driver that uh, is under the influence of drugs, and that's all drugs, uh, has went up almost 14% from 14 to 15. And they are polydrug users. So it's a mixture of alcohol and several drugs or drugs with other drugs that are mixed in. We see sometimes up to 20 different drugs in people's system you know, somewhere between seven and eight different drugs that people have. And those are sometimes prescribed. Sometimes those are uh, illegal drugs, and then it's mixed with alcohol. And when you see most of your prescription bottles or even other over-the-counter medications will say uh, effects can be intensified with alcohol. So it's one of those things that I think some people don't realize or they may take for granted or in some respects they want that effect. And so, but then they don't understand what it does to them is, you know, when they're, when they're impaired, when they're even walking, it gives them uh, maybe a false sense of perception. And we see a lot of our pedestrians themselves about 50% of our fatal uh, pedestrian incidents, the pedestrian was impaired. 
And so it's important for them to understand that, you know, not to go out on their own, but to, to be in a group. You know, it's, I think safety in numbers is something we used to hear. And, and it's true is for, for us to make sure that people are paying attention and they're walking. It's not just the driving element. It's also the, you know, pedestrians making sure. But drugs uh, nationwide are, we're seeing a huge increase in opioid use. We're seeing lots of uh, incidents with various drugs. It's not just marijuana, but we see a lot of incidents with other drugs. And so it's just important for people to understand that there is some type of effect that gets magnified. And it's like you said, one plus one is not two. It's, it's much greater. And I think people have taken maybe for granted or they have overlooked that, you know, in a national survey that was done, people have, you know, the, the public abhors uh, drunk drivers. But when it comes to drugged drivers, there's kind of a, uh, a sentiment that it's not a big deal. And we're trying to put the word out is it is a big deal. And even your Vicodin or some other medication uh, may have an impact because each person's chemistry reacts differently with different types of drugs. And it's not all the same for some. Some may say, oh, yeah, I'm, a, I'm much more clear-headed. And some might say, well, that just wipes me completely out, using the same medication and the same uh, dosage. So each person has differences to, to consider when it comes to uh, drugs. And we're seeing a uh, almost a... Uh, a trend that's going upward. It's, it's eclipsing our alcohol-only fatals, which is very concerning. We want all fatals to go down, but we've worked for so many years messaging the dangers of, of alcohol and driving, and now it's a combined message of both alcohol or drugs and driving because we're seeing those drug-driving fatals. The trend is way too high, and we're very concerned about that. As you said, it's increased in our state by 20%. That seems astronomical, really. Yeah, the, the fatals uh, increased by uh, 20%, and our drug driving fatals have gone up almost 14%. So almost, uh, you could see almost a uh, linear uh, correlation between those. As fatals have gone up and drug driving has gone up, um, that's a concern. And 50% of our fatal crashes, we had 553 fatal crashes in, 200 and, uh, in 2015, and about 50% of those are impaired drivers. Just stunning that there is a way to control that, those lives lost. And it's the perhaps the impaired person has lost their life, but... Often it's not a single vehicle accident. It involves others. So that multiplies the lives and the families that are impacted and their lives change forever. Yeah, it's uh, when you uh, arrive at a fatal crash. You know, as a young trooper many years ago, you arrive at a fatal crash and it's either a husband or a wife or a child it has a huge impact in a variety of ways. You, know, you think about a husband that is the only breadwinner who was then killed in a fatal crash. The family then, sometimes they lose their home. Sometimes they don't have any place to go. So it's, it has a whole systems approach in the community as it's not just one person. It has an impact on 
you know, a whole community. If there's 553 people in 2015 that are no longer with us because of a, of a vehicle crash. And some of those, a lot of those crashes were uh, easily avoidable. And so the, you know, for all of us as a community, we should no longer have the mentality of, well, it's the cost of doing business. It's just going to happen. We're just, you know, we're just human. We're going to make mistakes. A lot of these are preventable crashes. In fact, all of them are preventable crashes. Just people making good decisions can make all the difference. You know, we have safety features that are uh, coming into cars. We've added ignition interlock devices to help with those that have had previous impaired driving uh, convictions. We have new technology that's coming out to have our collision avoidance systems and other things. But truly what it comes down to is the driver behind the wheel paying attention, getting off their phones, getting off other devices, and focusing on what the task at hand. You know, we've become a very technologically dependent society, and people putting those things away to focus on the road and the task ahead is really what we need to change in our tra- almost our whole traffic safety culture and really being able to think about who we are as a state, who we are as a community, and what it means if, if I'm not paying attention and I run somebody over as a pedestrian or if I uh, hit another vehicle, that it's not okay. It just should not be accepted or tolerated, especially impaired drivers. We should have uh, a thought in our, in our mind is they need help, we need to support them uh, through treatment or anything else. But ultimately is we should not allow. We should have that step in and, and take over if somebody seems impaired, saying, hey, let's get you home some other way. People themselves, even impaired, should think, I need to find some other way. So a lot of these patrols that we have going on, and we have them on, we have uh, uh, full-time Target Zero teams in King, Pierce, Nahomish, Spokane, and Yakima. And they focus specifically on impaired driving. And throughout the year, we have these emphasis patrols in other areas, really um, with the idea of we don't want to arrest people. We want people to make good decisions, but we also want them to know that their risk of being stopped and arrested and spending time in jail and court costs and all that is a very big reality, that this is not a joke. This is not something that, oh, this is just, you know, I'll just go to court and throw it out, is that this is a very serious effect. Because when they kill somebody, that is truly vehicular homicide. And some people say, oh, well, they were just impaired. Well, yeah, they were impaired, but they were operating one of the most dangerous weapons that anybody can ever operate. And when they do that and they kill somebody, they have now, they're, they're charged for vehicular homicide. Or they're charged for vehicular assault if they have injuries to someone else that's over three years. So this is a, this is a big deal. This is a uh, big event. How many times would we allow somebody to operate, uh, let's say, a weapon and a loaded weapon without doing something? We don't. We take immediate action. We do what we have to to protect the citizens and the community. Yet most impaired drivers have driven, based on some studies from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, at least 87 times before ever being stopped. So some people would say, oh, I can just go out there and drive. No one's going to stop me. Well, 
when is that where you could be involved in a bad crash or you would be arrested? You know, it's not worth the chance. It's not worth taking that risk. And there is never the first time DUI, maybe the first time they got stopped and charged, but most have taken the, the chance and the risk. And it's not worth the risk. It's not worth taking, losing your job, losing your family, or losing anything else, or causing someone else to lose their, their family. It's just not worth the risk. Exactly. And we just have had too much information. There's just too much awareness around all the devastation that impaired driving, be it drugs, alcohol, or any of the tech devices that cause us to be impaired to really impact our own but somebody else's life. We know too much is not to be tolerated. Yeah, it really is. It isn't something we should tolerate at all. But, you know, as a, as a community, we unfortunately, uh, there seems to be some apathy that, you know, it's just people, they're going to be doing stupid things. Well, it's not just that they do things that hurt others. It's how do we help them to make better decisions? And so it starts, you know, at young ages with parents educating their, their, their children. It talk, it's in schools. It's uh, through their driver's, you know, driver's licensing. It's all the way through. And it's people understand all of those elements. It's just how do we help people not only understand but also hearken to those, to the counsel that they're given, is that this is not uh, something that you should even dabble in. So, you know, our legal limit for alcohol is a .08 blood alcohol concentration. But what's interesting is that's the level brings people up to the almost an impairing level. And it's why do we let people get all the way up to that impairing level? It should be something we should consider is if I'm drinking, I should know what my limits are before I get impaired and before I'm to that point where I can't function is to think about those things in uh, in their own life. Exactly. Have these conversations, which I hope hearing you're giving us all this important, great information this morning, Darren, is going to instill in whoever is listening to share this with others in their life to really make these thoughtful decisions before getting into their vehicle. Start before you go to a party, deciding what you're going to do. Well, and that's, uh, you know, we're not trying to say you, you shouldn't. It's just if you are, and we we understand, you know, through the holiday season, it's time to have celebrations and joy, but do it in a way that does not hurt other people or infringe on other people's, you know, their lifestyle or their rights. But you know, we're not trying to put a, a damper on, you know, having fun, but do it in a way that does not inflict on other people. Exactly, and some of these terrible, fatal crashes that occur. Some of them are just so horrific. There's a story shared in your press release about a crash that happened uh, earlier this year in February, which is just mind-boggling. But we've heard numerous times where people are driving in the wrong direction on the freeway. We unfortunately have too many events, as you mentioned, that uh, with wrong-way drivers, people that are impaired, they get totally disoriented and they end up going the wrong way and hitting vehicles head on. 
we had one earlier that was just that was a was a wrong wave vehicle just south of Seattle. It was a 28 year old male who was driving. He had a com- combination of alcohol, marijuana, and cocaine in his system as he uh, came into I-5. And then, unfortunately, as he traveled around one of the curves, he crashed head-on into another vehicle, which was going the right direction. I mean, here's somebody that's doing the right thing and then innocently is taken out by somebody that's not doing the right thing. And the crash killed the uh, impaired driver and seriously injured the other driver. And this is just right after the first of the year. So, I mean, it's not just a holiday event. It's an all-year thing, something that we have to keep uh, focus on. The causing driver ended up with a blood alcohol concentration of a 0.28. And that is extremely high when you think about the legal limit as a 0.08. I mean, that's almost uh, four times greater than the, the legal limit. Had 14 nanograms of active Delta-9 THC in his system, and uh, also a low amount of cocaine. The other thing that we notice in a lot of our fatal crashes that was an event in this one is a lot of impaired drivers do not put their seatbelt on. It's just one of those things that they, it's that divided attention and ability to think, and this was one of those elements where drugs involved, wrong way, but also was not wearing a seatbelt. Now, if the seatbelt was on or not, you know, in saving his life is something I think is another discussion, but I think ultimately is that could contribute too because he was not able to be restrained in his seat and then took the steering wheel into the into the chest area. So these, this is one, one crash, but we've got multiple from around the state that show the devastation of combinations of various drugs and alcohol and drugs. And then there is the innocent party involved. It happens to perhaps be one person in this case. Sometimes it's multiple people. Their lives are turned upside down. They may never have a normal life again after that. And it's very true. A lot of people that are even injured in, in crashes uh, end up, you know, being paralyzed. They end up uh, having uh, traumatic brain injuries or other things that then prevent them from having a normal lifestyle. And then the fatal crashes. You know, we, uh, we've been uh, working for many years to get sobriety checkpoints in our state. It's one of the only proven strategies that we have not been able to implement in our state. And a lot of it has to do with constitutionality of rights and stopping people without probable cause, and I understand that. But the one element that uh, is challenging is the fact that when an impaired driver kills another driver is that that person's rights were violated forever. And that person never had the, the right to argue or to say, hey, look, you're going to violate my rights, but... We um, have allowed that, and the, the sobriety checkpoints would be a critical uh, element and a tool for law enforcement across the state. It isn't intended to make a lot of arrests. What it's intended to do is to be a deterrent, is to let people know that your chances of being arrested for DUI are increased. So when you have other transportation resources now through taxis or shuttles, limousines, 
You know, you've got these new uh, ideas with Uber and Lyft, some of these other ways, friends and family. I mean, there's multiple ways for people to get home now. There's really no excuse. And in many areas, I know that there's some of the rural areas that's a little more difficult, but really there's no excuses for uh, people to drive impaired. So having, you know, these ideas and some of these elements out there is to help people understand that when you choose to drive impaired, you are now putting everybody else at risk. And really, when you come down to it, their rights of life, liberty, and property have been violated when you, when that driver crashes into somebody else because their life is now impacted. Their vehicle, which is their property, is probably totaled. So their property is destroyed or damaged. Their physical body can have all kinds of impacts and effects, not just physically, but also psychologically. You know, people then are like, I don't want to get on the, you know, on the road again. It's too scary. And so there's all these impacts that some people don't think we give a lot of attention to impaired drivers and what happened. And oftentimes we don't give enough attention and the due attention that we need to to our victims and to the victims' families because they have the, the burden of having to carry all of that for almost their entire lives. And so, you know, when that loved one's gone, it has a huge impact. And some people... Don't even think about it until it actually occurs to them, thinking, oh, that always happens to somebody else. When in reality, it can happen to you at any time. You know, when we started our strategic highway safety plan back in the year 2000, it was affectionately referred to as target zero. We don't want to set goals every year to kill X number of people. What we want is our goal is to have no one die on our highways in Washington state for any reason. And... We've set out a very aggressive goal and a timeline is to have zero fatalities and serious injury crashes by the year 2030. And some people have said, Darren, you guys will never get there. That's crazy. But ultimately, we have enough understanding and compassion for folks in our state that we don't want to see anybody hurt. So having those aggressive goals is something that we have strived for. But if you ask each person, and you ask each family the question of how many of your family are you willing to give up to make our statistics, everyone would say, I wouldn't. So what should our goal be? Our goal should be zero because nobody wants to see their family or friends hurt or killed. So ultimately, our goal should be zero. And the only way that we get there, it's not arresting our way out of it. It's not sending people to court and to jail. Where it starts is before you even get behind the wheel. And because a lot of our laws, a lot of our actions are all post-arrest and not pre, or in the sense, let's avoid the whole thing together and not even get behind the wheel and be able to help people make those decisions early on so that these tragedies don't occur at all. And that's really a message that you know we try to send all year long but especially during these holiday seasons, when we really think about times of gratitude, we think about times of, of sharing and giving, and really this season is giving the gift of life and really giving people a chance to enjoy the new year without infringing or you know causing injury or death to somebody else that has to then go into the new year with those kinds of tragedies. Exactly. And what's going on now with the additional patrols... If you get stopped, you should be thankful 
that this is going to be a sobering effect, hopefully, to really get on the right track. Yes. You know, we have about 120 police agencies over the holiday season that are participating in what they call high visibility enforcement patrols. And when a person is stopped, they can be grateful that that is the, the least that could happen is just being stopped and arrested and not seeing what could have happened to them as a driver involved in a crash. Were they themselves hurt or, or, or hurt or they themselves hurt someone else? And so that could be a, almost a, a message of gratitude is, oh, thank heavens that I'm not, I didn't hurt somebody else. Yes. And we see a lot of people that uh, when they are stopped, that that is a, a nexus for change for them. And they start making some changes so that that doesn't happen again. I do appreciate all that you've shared with us this morning. Really, let's get to that target zero. That is an important goal. It takes all of us. And for all of the listeners, I would recommend that they look at targetzero.com and take a look at the Strategic Highway Safety Plan. It's really a living document that allows for all people across the state to really embrace the plan and participate and engage in ways in their own communities to be able to help us to get to target zero. This is a community of Washington state issue because fatal crashes don't discriminate. We've seen the variety of reasons, but helping to get behind that target zero plan is where we will really begin to start making the changes that we need to be able to get to that uh, magic number of zero. And also, they can take a look at our website at wtsc.wa.gov. People can look at and see how they can actually engage and participate with us in making those changes. So I really appreciate uh, the time with you this morning and really hope that all of us make those decisions we need to, to give the gift of life. Thank you, Darren Grandella. It's been wonderful to have you share these important insights. I really appreciate it. Thank you very much.